welcome to a fresh edition of ESPN's Formula One podcast. Alexis Yunus here with my guru, Lawrence Edmondson. As per usual, we are back on the greatest special episode today, I would say, because it's a nice double dose of girl power, which is usually I'm the one that's outnumbered, but it's okay. I don't mind because I know I'm a lot of woman anyway to handle. <laughs> but now we've got two other very special and talented ladies who are also drivers. We have Jamie Chadwick. She is the reigning champion of the W Series, and Saber Cook, who also competed in the W Series as well. We go stateside to speak with her. But first, Lawrence, you were the one speaking to, to Jamie first up, and what was what was that experience like? Yeah, fantastic. I mean, she's uh, kind of really kind of hit the, the big time now. A lot of people who are involved in motorsport know the name Jamie Chadwick, and really a lot of it is down to W Series. So people that maybe aren't familiar with W Series, if you're a big F1 fan, it's an all-female championship. It was uh, set up, started last year. Uh, Jamie Chadwick went and pretty much dominated uh, the first season of it. She was she was very, very competitive. And since then, uh, she's been given the opportunity to join Williams as a development driver, which is a big step for any driver coming through the ranks to uh, get some Formula One team backing. And there's a hope, there's a possibility that she could be the first uh, female F1 driver to start a race and uh, race competitively in over 40 years. A um, lot of pressure on her shoulders. She's not there yet. And uh, she's very realistic about uh, where she stands and uh, and where she's come from as well. But it's fascinating to get a bit of a backstory, uh, how difficult it is for young drivers uh, regardless, male, female, uh, to come through the ranks and how difficult it is to get, to get the backing together to do it. So she was really, really interesting, really insightful on that. So hopefully it's a good uh, a good chat about what it's like to be um, a young racing driver coming through the ranks and potentially a young racing driver who could uh, make some serious F1 history. All right, well, without further ado, let's get to know Jamie, shall we? So Jamie, thanks for joining us. Uh, w Series champion on the ESPN F1 podcast. Um I guess the first question, the question everybody's asking at the moment, is what have you been up to during the lockdown? What, what have you been able to do uh, and how much has your life changed? Yeah, I think, well, obviously it's changed massively for us all. Um, I think this is it's now got to the point where I would have been racing or the season would have started and then it kind of really hits home as to what we should be doing uh, in this time. But yeah, obviously with the circumstances, um, it's just been managing the situation as best as possible. Um, from my side, it's a lot of training um, just getting my teeth into that, doing what I can in that respect. But yeah, obviously the esports boom as well as uh, poked a bit of interest for that in that for me as well. So um, yeah, to be honest, it's so far actually been okay. It's gone quite quick. But like I said, now I know I should be racing. Um, that itch is starting to come back. So where have you been? Have you been at home? Have you been uh, kind of at your parents' place or is it your place? Or No, so I've been um, on my own in London. Um, so, yeah, it's been a little bit lonely in that sense. Um, I did have to pop back and see my parents at a distance a couple of times to get some bits. But, yeah, it's um, yeah been a bit different. But I've kind of treated it a little bit like a training camp, kind of just focusing on what I need to focus on. And, yeah, it's not been too bad. Nice. And um, coming up soon, there'll be a return to some kind of racing, at least in eSports with W Series. Um, can you talk us a bit uh, through that, what you've got planned, uh, how excited you are about that? Because eSports has boomed massively in this in this period away from real racing. Yeah, obviously, I think, like you said, we've seen this massive rise of eSports. And I think it's obviously been, um, you know, propelled by the situation we're in. But actually, I think it's become a much bigger factor in a lot of our uh, racing drivers' lives at the moment. And it's really cool because um, it's probably the only sport that has a direct correlation between 
the esports version and the real version. So there's a lot of transferable skills, a lot that we can still learn um, whilst doing esports, which does make it a lot more enjoyable from my side. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. But yeah, it's nice because obviously in this situation, we're all uh, behind um, our sort of house door and we can't get out so much. So to have something to sort of soothe that competitive itch that we all have and to do some racing of some sort is really important. And with, yeah, I think the weekend just gone was the first weekend of the actual racing. So at least we're going to be competing against each other in some way. And it's been a funny thing, isn't it? Because I think when this lockdown first started, esports was a curiosity. Then it actually became almost the lifeblood for all racing fans because they get to see the people they love watching on Sundays go up and race against each other. And then there's also been elements of controversy and people getting themselves into trouble and the real question of how seriously do you take esports? So what's it like for you? Are you taking this as seriously as you take normal racing or is there an element of just kind of this is a game and, you know, it's a bit of fun? Yeah, for me, it's a bit of fun. Um, I'm trying to enjoy it. I say that. I um, got my sim set up for the W Series stuff only a few days ago, and I've spent a stupid amount of time already on it, trying to <laughs> trying to be quick. So um, I think there's always that competitive nature about all drivers, and we all want to do well regardless of what it is. But at the same time, I think I'm seeing it as a bit of fun. Um, definitely can't get too wrapped up into it, or otherwise it's probably not going to be great for my own personal well-being. But yeah, it's enjoyable. It's great fun to do. And I think that's what's been quite nice to see, especially on the F1 side. Um, a lot of the younger guys, they've been, you know, streaming a lot and engaging with fans and a new audience in that sense. And it's been really cool to see that. Is there any chance you're, you're racing the F1 series, like the uh, the official one before it finishes? Potentially. I've not done that much on the F1 game, actually. Um, it's a bit of a different platform. I did a little bit of the blockchain versus races uh, went up against Lando and that which was quite good fun um, but yeah I think obviously uh, the teams have drivers for that and Williams both their drivers um, do the racing uh, or the actual races for that so yeah at the moment um, maybe not but it's something I'd definitely like to look at in the future. Nice well let's um, roll it back a bit so before this kind of crazy lockdown period and uh, to the start of your career, and really how you got into motorsport in the first place, because everyone has a different story. It often just comes from watching it from TV, but, but how about you? How, how did you get into a go-kart to start with and, and get racing? Yeah, my story's a bit different, actually. Um, I guess a lot of the young drivers that you speak to, or even all drivers, um, got into go-karting um, following parents, or it's been something that they've done from a really, really young age. Um, for me, I was still pretty young. I was 12 years old, but I guess that is actually kind of relatively late, um, in comparison to a lot of the younger guys so yeah as 12 years old um, my brother had gone go-karting a couple of times purely out of interest you know both our parents didn't have any uh, motorsport involvement by any means so um, he started go-karting um, at a very uh, junior level just sort of arrive and drive every once a month or whatever it was and yeah I sort of sparked my interest a couple of years later um, I had my first go I came from a bit of a sporting background, so fell in love with it quite quickly and, yeah, went from there. And, yeah, it started off very much as a hobby for the first few years, but quite quickly it grew into something that, yeah, became what it is now. So forgive me for asking, but is your brother still racing or did, did he kind of drop out on the way? Uh, so he actually, yeah, he dropped out. So, um, I mean, I say dropped out is not always a choice, sadly, with uh, motorsport. It was, yeah, probably two years ago, um, or, no, maybe three or four years ago now has gone quite quickly but um yeah just couldn't get the budget to continue uh continue racing at the level he wanted to and yeah parted ways with it and left me to sort of fly the Chadwick flag 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the really difficult thing that all the young carters talk about as well, is budget, because I don't know if people listen to this realise how ridiculously expensive just go-karting is, uh, you know, on, on, on that level, on a very competitive level. So uh, at what point did you realise this was a profession? This is something which you can actually dedicate your entire life to? Yeah, it's a good question and a very valid point. Um, I think there's it's sort of a money sort of spent relentlessly throughout a lot of junior drivers' careers and wherever that money comes from, it's got to come from somewhere. And um, some of us are lucky to have backers and supporters. Some have private backing. It doesn't matter. You still need that support to get get where you need. And for me, I never really looked at it as a career until maybe I was 15 or 16. Um, it was kind of a hobby, uh, expensive, but a very enjoyable hobby until that point. And for that reason, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily looking at Formula One by any means. It was sort of something that has come up very much later in the career for me uh, as being an option but before that it was okay I really enjoy motorsport how can I keep doing this sustainably without it costing a fortune then it became something where I thought you know I'd like to do this as a career but you know I don't want to be in a position where I have to find copious amounts backing to get to the top level how can I make that happen and that's why I went down the sports car route because there are a lot of uh, opportunities with manufacturers for um, GT drivers and that's something I became interested in particularly with Aston Martin and so I was about 16 then when um, I made that first transition which gave me sort of my first sort of look at it being a profession um, and a career um, and then a couple of years later an opportunity presented itself to get involved in British Formula 3 and pursue the F1 dream and then now I'm on that track now so um, yeah I guess relatively late when I first decided that you know something I wanted to do as a career. It's funny because you say it's relatively late and um, I know a lot of racing drivers would probably agree given, given that, but 15 or 16 deciding that you want to be a professional racing driver, that's still really young. It's still, it's still quite remarkable. But, so how, um, how, do, how do things develop uh, to, to the point you are now? Because uh, you were successful um, going up against the boys, uh, kind of, you know, r- racing uh, in the kind of normal ladder and then W Series came up as an opportunity. So what sparked in your mind, yeah, this is, this is the series that I need to be involved in? Yeah, exactly. I think I'd always kind of gone about my career in a certain way and didn't seem unusual to me. Obviously, um, you know, I was one of very few women um, racing um, in every sort of category that I'd been racing in, but that wasn't ever really a standout issue or anything I was too aware of. But obviously, we want to see more women competing in motorsport and initiatives were coming around a lot throughout my career, um, even from the early days, to help support us. And it was great because I was coming through relatively, um, you know, unaware of what was going to be next. I didn't know a huge amount about the sport. So to have all this support from all this sort of outside network was fantastic. And, yeah, I got to my second year of British Formula 3 uh, at the end of 2018. Um, I still really wanted to continue in single-seaters, but probably hadn't done quite a good enough job to secure the backing I needed to step up to the next level and yeah like we've said earlier it's it's so expensive that you know we need this support to make the next step and that wasn't an option and so I was looking realistically what my options were and the single seater ladder was kind of out the window Um, and then W Series came along which is a fully funded series to female racing drivers and you know they provide prize money so effectively it professionalized women's motorsport overnight and I guess the ones that have side bit of it is it's all female competition so um whilst I felt like I can compete against men at the highest level this was going to be competing against just women but 
in my head that didn't make a difference you know it was a huge opportunity to race in Formula 3 level cars um, with a big big uh, opportunity at the end of it if I were to win it so that was my thinking um, obviously went into it didn't know what to expect and yeah off the back of last year to have won it and had the exposure generated that it did and get the surprise money and but this year there would be super license points in. I think it's an amazing thing for women in motorsport. And just to go back to that British F3 here, because um, I think you play yourself down a bit. You know, it, it, I don't think people realise sometimes how difficult it is to keep a career going in motorsport and how much pressure there is to get those results. And also how much British F3 actually resembles other levels of motorsport where you're entirely dependent on your equipment, your team, uh, your funding, uh, you know, to, to make sure you're at the front of the grid and it's no necessary lack of talent. So... Can you try and explain to people how difficult it is to always get that next level? And I guess also the amount of pressure you face, as you say, as a very young person as well. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that most people have to deal with. Oh, my career could be over at 18 or 19 because, you know, I, I, I didn't perform in that one race or bad luck came in. How difficult is that? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that's the thing. It's a huge amount of pressure to go through at a young age. And, um, yeah, you've got to perform. You've got to turn up and... You know, everyone's in a different situation as well. It's not, think if you're a runner and you train correctly as a runner and you train the maximum and you do everything you can, you can line up on the start grid and know if you run your best, you've got a very good shot of winning And if you're in that kind of, um, sort of realms of competition. Whereas for us in motorsport, there's no certainty like that. You know, you're really reliant on your team. You're really reliant on the car that you're in the amount of testing that you're capable of, that you're able to do with the budget provided. And yeah, you've still got to line up on that grid and anything can happen. You know, you can get taken out at turn one, uh, you can have a mechanical issue. And when the championship score comes in at the end of the year or the results come in, you know, you can't really explain how every race went to someone. They just look at who won it or who came in the top three. And that's what's really difficult in motorsport is because you don't really get many opportunities. Um, I don't think I can think of a driver maybe as, couple on the F1 grid that have had you know second bite at the the cherry everyone else you know you've just got to keep performing and that makes it so difficult so for me in British Formula 3 you know I hadn't didn't have a bad year um I'd secured sort of a win um and a few podiums but I think I needed in my opinion a better year but like you said not everything went to plan I could give a million excuses like every single other driver and I think what I've learned from all of that is that you've just got to be able to give yourself the best opportunity uh, to perform and almost alleviate that pressure to a degree. Because um, I think the first time I heard about your name was actually from my cousin. Uh, I'll give him a shout out. Uh, Mark said, there's this girl kind of coming through the ranks. She's like, she's really good. And he probably paid more attention to junior categories than I did uh, at, at that time. And, you know, he, he said, you've got to check her out. She's going to be a big deal. But, I think what W Series has done has definitely put you in more newspapers, more magazines, more podcasts, stuff like that, that, than maybe you would have been if you had followed the traditional route. Is, is that fair? And also, how important is that promotion to kind of trying to build this career as, that we've talked about is so much dependent on money and support? Yeah, hugely important. I think, as we've touched on, um, you know, motorsport relies on financial backing. Until you're in F1, you need backing to get to to that point. And F3, F2, all these levels, they cost a lot of money. And if it's, however the money comes, whether it's from your own back pocket or from a sponsor, you still need it. And yeah, what W Series has done has given me this huge level of exposure that is beyond belief for me um, to give me sort of a much better opportunity and a much better chance of getting, you know, a backer to support me. And 
things are looking so much more positive for me now than they were maybe uh, this time 12 months ago, purely off the back of that. And yeah, I think the other opportunity it's given me is, um, you know, I think everyone wants to see a female in Formula One. Um, there's a lot of sort of noise around that, but I think we all know that they have to be there on merit and there for the right reasons. So it's a bit of a risk to go and support just any female racing driver coming through the ranks. And I think what W Series did was off the back of me winning it has given me sort of that sort of little head start and little springboard step um, above maybe some of the others that um, is what I really needed to yeah um, get to the next level. And part of that has been uh, the Williams development drive. Um, how did that come about, first of all? Like, did they contact you? Is it something you have to go and like write to all the teams and try and get, get a foot in the door? No, a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, I didn't do a PowerPoint like George. Um, but um, no, I, I've i known Claire for a few years now. Um, not too well, um, quite loosely, but always kind of kept in contact and she'd always sort of been interested in my progress and um, with the way my career path has gone, um, a lot of uh, my sort of junior career hasn't necessarily been that relevant to Formula One. So although she was there for support and advice, it wasn't something that, um, you know, was there was no role for me um, at Williams as such. But yeah, when I started in single seaters, the interest obviously picked up. And with W Series, it was quite cool because um, we had a bit of communication prior to the first race. Um, and Claire wasn't too convinced by W Series. You know, she didn't um, necessarily know if it's the right thing for women in motorsport. So, um, and this is one of the things I have a great respect for her for is she decided to come to the first race to see it herself and then make a judgment on what she actually thought. And yeah, she came to Hockenheim, um, watched that race, which no pressure on me, <laughs> um, me knowing that there was a potential development drive uh, on the table. Um, fortunately I won that race and off the back of that um, I was able to sort of pursue the conversation further and secure that role for this year or last year sorry yeah and um, I guess the other thing that people maybe don't realize but even to get into a Formula One car uh, one you need the talent uh, then you need uh, a, a bit of money behind you usually as well just to get that breakthrough but then also uh, super license points and I believe you've got your first 10 now. Is, is that correct? You got them earlier this year in F3 Asia. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, God, there's a lot of factors that goes into whether you're going to make it to Formula One or not. And it feels like I've got a checklist and I'm just trying to, like, tick off yeah. everything over the years. But, yeah, the well, first and foremost, you can't race in Formula One unless you have a super licence. So it doesn't matter who or what might want me in Formula One. You know, I don't have a super licence at this point, so... Um, to accumulate uh, a super license, you need to get, uh, I think it's 40 points, um, which you only get by uh, getting certain results in certain championships. So really, it does actually fulfill that kind of getting to Formula 1 on merit because you have to get um, these points. And I went out to Asia over the winter, uh, managed to secure my first 10, which, um, yeah, it's a quarter of the way there, still a bit to go. But, um, yeah, I think I need 25 if I want to do an FP1. So... Yeah, sort of chipping away at it and, um, yeah, it does make a big difference. How much do you plan ahead? Do you have years mapped out of where you go after W Series, what happens next, or or is that impossible in in your position? Um, It's funny, actually, because probably up until last year in my career, I was going year by year. I'll get to the end of each year and it'd be like, okay, what are we going to do next year? How are we going to do this? Can we make this work? And then we'll decide what we're doing probably February of the year that we're racing. So... Everything was always never planned and always spontaneous. And 
actually, I think if you can do it, the best way to do it is to plan ahead and to try and think as far in advance as possible. So um, now, especially with the current situation, we're really looking at 2021 um, and then obviously onwards from that. And I think everything, uh, you know, not everything will always go to plan, but if you've got plan B and what plan A, plan B in place, then um, yeah, it definitely makes things a bit easier and you can actually sort of focus your mind a little bit more on what's to come. And I guess at Williams, you've got a good group of people there who can offer advice as well. Do you, have you talked to George? Because he's very recently come through the whole system. Obviously, he's been at Mercedes. He's understudied Lewis Hamilton. Have you had any advice from him or any other F1 drivers? Yeah, George is always a good person to talk to because, you know, he's fairly recent, like you said, through uh, the junior ranks. And I think also um, George is a good example of someone that's or one of the very, very few on the F1 grid now that has done it on merit. Um, you know, he's not from... Uh, financial backing where you know he's been funded all the way he got the backing from Mercedes and got that sort of uh, security financially but then had the pressure to perform and he's performed at all the levels so uh, he's always been a good person to speak to he actually coached me a little bit back in F3 I think when I first drove an F3 car so um, yeah no he's perfect to sort of lean on for advice but yeah also the whole team at Williams um, I'm really really lucky um, to have got in there where when I did last year because um, you know, there's some amazing people that work there behind the scenes, engineers and um, the guys that are behind um, that team. It's great to be able to lean on them to support. George is also pretty handy on, on a sim. So I don't know, maybe you should like, have a chat with him before. No, I might have to hit him up, see if he can. He's definitely good on F1. It's funny because I um, messaged him at the first race. I think his odds were like 20 to 1 or something, if not worse. He had terrible odds. And I was thinking, no, he can't be that bad. Like, where have they got this information from? And obviously, they've taken it from the real, real life, the fact oh, that right, he yeah. didn't score any points last year. So I dropped him a message and I said, are you a good person to pop a bet on? And so I went each way, um, put a sizable amount on him, to be fair. And he fortunately finished, I think, second or third. So, um, yeah, I owe him one for that. Nice. I guess the odds now are probably way down. He's won the last two yeah, races. Yeah, that's the thing. He's um, now, yeah way and gone with sort of two to one odds and it's not worth it i shouldn't sort of condone all this betting but it makes these sports stuff a bit more interesting no no absolutely i think it's uh i mean it's, I'm, yeah, I'm glad someone's uh, managed to like make some money off of, off of george's yeah. success as well because everybody keeps saying that there's nothing riding on it but who knew there was a there was a proper beggar there's jamie chadwick trying to sort her next drive out <laughs> based on betting on the current f1 driver <laughs> <laughs> there's our headline right there yeah, that's it. There you have. All right, well, that was Lawrence's chat with Jamie Chadwick, the W Series champion. And next we go stateside to speak to another very special lady, very intelligent and talented one as well. It's Sabre Cook. All right, Sabre, well, absolute pleasure to have you with us. I mean, we're absolutely drooling over your setup right there, putting <laughs> the rest of us to shame. But that's the reason why, because you're, you know, one of the top drivers. And it's good to have some girl power. Again, we had some earlier on. Let's just talk about what you've been up to because we know it's been a crazy time. It's been a frustrating time, especially for the drivers. Just what have you been doing and just trying to keep yourself sane in this time? Well, uh, when everything closed down, I was in St. Pete, Florida, um, about ready to go for the first road to Indy race. And literally, we ran one session on track and then they shut us down. So since then, came back home. Um, 
had a couple initial sponsor meetings um, and then everything got obviously more strict and more strict. And luckily enough, like I, I live in Grand Junction right now, which is like a sweet little kind of like haven. Um, it's away from like bigger cities. So um, we've had no deaths from the coronavirus, which is awesome. Wow. And like, I think only 50 cases. So it's, um, we've definitely been very lucky. So um, I, my, my dad actually owns a, the karting track here. And so that I was able to like be able to go out there and still work, um, do some coaching, um, work on like the rental carts they have there and still like keep plenty busy doing that. Um, as well as doing, keeping up with my training, um, just started working with another new trainer this week. And then obviously trying to figure out what's all happening (laughs) every time, but, um, and just trying to, you know, keep those, uh, the sponsorship connections alive and keep everybody updated and, um, just try and stay positive moving forward. And now, as you can see, I finally have my kit. Um, it showed up, uh, a couple days ago, so I've got lots of catching up to do, but, um, I'm going to be doing this um, for the W Series eSports uh, racing that's going to happen over the next two months. I know. I was going to say, I think that's been one of the, of course, we've talking to a lot of the guys just from Formula One, and we know and we see that they've been keeping themselves busy because of like eSports and video games, and they've kind of owned their skills there more so than, you know, actually on the circuit or on the track or anything. So before you got the, you know, all your kit right now. What did you, did you learn anything new in lockdown? Of course, everybody was trying to challenge themselves some way. What did you get up doing? Um, I actually tried to read up a lot more on different um, ways of training and fitness and basically learning to train harder instead of smarter or training smarter instead of harder. Uh, so did listen to a ton of podcasts, um, read a few like, um, bits and pieces of an engineering book. And I got, I actually started listening to David Goggins too. I, I'm sure a lot of you guys have probably heard about him. Um, just listen to his experiences and his perspective. And then I started, I did that masterclass that I think. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Register online and you could do, um, and listen to like the Simone Biles one, Serena Williams, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, just, and trying to just kind of make best use of the time that I had and, reading a couple books and like uh there's this book I read that was like can science explain everything and just basically just like anything and everything I've just been all over the place just trying to like make make use of my time doing doing all those things so this sounds like a remarkably wholesome lockdown experience I think you know exactly. also to be out to be out on a go-kart track as well I know some of the guys that have uh, killed for that in Formula One um but I think it's also your birthday wasn't it during lockdown so did you have a bit of an unusual was. one um, yeah, it was like kind of anticlimactic. I, guess. <laughs> I feel you on that one. Mine was in May too, first week of May, and it was just like, wah, wah, wah. You're like, cool. Yeah. You're like, well, actually, I'm getting older, so maybe we can just pretend like that doesn't happen, anyways. And can I, can I turn the same age next year, maybe? Is that like allowed? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely allowed. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think Lawrence and I have been saying that for the past how many years now? <laughs> but what did you do for your birthday then nothing um at least try to like Um, because like you said at least you have a nice little haven there away from kind of you know places that were really badly hit so did you have any freedom to have some sort of a celebration um i my mom was so sweet and um cold stone ice cream is like one of the best ice cream places here so she got us some ice cream um and then uh, actually like went on a hike um spent the day doing that and then uh kind of it was more kind of a normal day I'm not gonna lie <laughs> like, but, 
was, but yeah, just spent extra time with family and uh, went out to like, um, had, they had, we had dinner together and, um, played with my dog, spent more time outside. Yeah. That was, it was pretty calm, I guess, but I had a, a couple of my friends are so sweet. And since my birthday was like in the quarantine time, they made a video of all of them like saying happy birthday from wherever they were. And then they like cut the video together and sent it to me on my birthday. So that was, it was really, really nice. That's very cool. Um, Just to take it back for some of our listeners who maybe haven't followed your career so much, where did your passion, where did your interest in motorsport start and how did you actually start out in go-karts? So uh, my dad used to race motocross and supercross professionally like back in the eighties. And so he and my mom, obviously didn't really want me and my brother to race motorcycles because you know when you race motorcycles it's not if you crash it's when and uh so it's um they got it my dad found karting after he retired because you know he loves obviously is an adrenaline junkie and he found that and then introduced me and my brother to it um when I was about eight and then so started driving um my dad and uncles and my uh grandpa made a karting track here in town and so I just grew up running around the racetrack um it was just kind of like the environment I was I'd always been in and I also um got into engineering um in more so like high school and then went to school got my engineering degree as well so I guess I, 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 that's kind of how it started. And then I also stemmed into the engineering side of it as well as I, as I got older. Yeah, because that must be a huge advantage because, you know, we talk to lots of drivers and lots of them pick up stuff as they go through go-karts, but very few of them have the opportunity to actually study and get a degree in engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that part of the deal? Did your parents say you have to do the schoolwork if you want to go out on the track or, or was it something that you really wanted to pursue yourself? Um, well, I mean, my parents are always like, you know, you need to get good grades and you need to work hard at school, especially if you want to still race. So that was very much encouraged, but it also was definitely my decision. I was one of those weird kids that were like, liked school <laughs> and um, it was like, like, I just like to learn. And so for me, it was like from a young age, I like was a dork and like loved math and science and stuff like that. So, um, I, yeah, it was, it was very much my choice as well, but, uh, they highly encourage it. And then obviously, um, I, I got into cars quite late. Uh, for career age because I just didn't have the funding to do so. So I, you know, I needed to have a plan B or something else I can carry on into. And so I also went to school to make sure that I had, you know, kind of a secure future no matter what happened because, I mean, racing is um, unpredictable and it's uh, obviously very highlighted in this time right now, like how vulnerable the motorsports industry really is, right? Because it's uh it's not like a essential business so yeah, <laughs> yeah and it does take a, a whole lot I mean to just do because I mean we've been talking about it so many times just the amount of people and machinery and stuff that is needed in it that it's not just a matter yeah. of getting you the drivers to an area and having you quarantine it's literally getting all this other team behind you guys what was your I suppose um aha moment when you knew you were like this is it because of course there's you know talks about IndyCar being in the states you know they're closer to that kind of avenue so when was it you know your aha moment where you said yep this is it this is what I'm gonna do 
Uh, I think for me, I, I remember it like vividly. I was 13, I believe. And it was, I just won my first uh, tag USA world championship in karting and I crossed the finish line and I just like felt like a surreal moment. And I was like, wow, like this has been one of the best weekends of my life. And it actually started out as a horrible weekend and then like overcome adversity. And I was just like, you know, this is something I could see myself doing for the rest of my life. And um, kind of from there, that's when it really, really became very serious for me and like an overall uh, career goal. At 13, I don't even remember what I was doing at 13. That's making hard decisions for my career. <laughs> and the, um, the, the W Series, when that came around, um, obviously a chance to race a bit more in Europe, a bit of a change of pace. Um, so did you see it as a no-brainer, definitely go for it? Because I know in, among female racing drivers, some have seen it as the way forward and a good way to kind of, you know, really raise awareness of uh, some of the really, you know, quick girls coming through uh, carts and stuff. And others have seen it as, well, I want to go and race with the guys in F3 and in, in other championships. So, so what was the decision like for you when uh, W Series became uh, an option? Uh, well, I guess like when I very first heard about like the whisperings of W Series, I was definitely skeptical as a lot of people were, but then I realized that it was a extremely good opportunity and it's seat time and it's on an amazing platform with all these, um, you get to go to so many tracks and you're on, we're with DTM and then we have all these amazing people that have had experience in so many different aspects of motorsports that are helping run W series. So learning from them and having their knowledge and then making the connections and getting your name out there. I realized W series was like such a great platform to be involved in. So, um, for me, it was, it was kind of perfect timing too, because I was moving over to the UK anyways for work. So I was like, this is, if, if this works out where I can be in the W series, it's honestly like the, per- the perfect, the perfect scenario for me because I would be able to, I wouldn't have to travel back and forth from the States. I could be there race full time in Europe. So it was, uh, it was a great, uh, coming together of, of opportunities. But what's probably the biggest impact or biggest door that, um, it opened for you in your career? Um, I guess W series kind of really revamped my, my racing career because I, you know, I'd been struggling to find full budget to run a a season in, in open wheel cars. And so they kind of, obviously W series boosted, I think every driver's platform that was involved with them last season. And it kind of gave me a solid, atmosphere to grow in I I would say and really progress as a driver because it was a full season in open wheel you know in be able to develop like week in week out have like a be able to track my progression and for me that was kind of like the biggest thing that it gave me and then also because of that and because of the I guess um, profile boost that it gave it let me um, have a little bit more pull and engagement and engaging sponsors to now help me go run like the road to indie series that I'm hopefully still going to be able to do this season. Uh, people have looked to online racing. Uh, we know W series is about to kick off with this championship. You've got all the gear there, uh, but there's this big thing about some people saying it's just a game. Some people taking it super seriously. <laughs> where, where, where do you sit in that, in that spectrum? Um, I mean, I'm obviously going to take it very seriously. Like, but at the end of the day, I mean, sim racing is never going to be the real thing, but it also, but it can be used in a very positive way for, you know, mental drills, focus drills, learning new tracks, keeping yourself sharp, even though it's not going to be, um, 
like driving the real car, but it still has its purposes. And, you know, in any sport, you don't always, you know, the way you get better isn't always by like, you don't just go out and play basketball all the time. You do other things, you do skill-based workouts, you do uh, mental drills, you do other things. So that's kind of what this is for racing. It helps develop a different, a different aspect of it, especially when we can't be in the car. And then, like you said, um, I know, of course, I was just looking at your social, too, and you've been doing some, like you said, new workouts. You had a new trainer as well. I saw you swinging that kettlebell. I absolutely hate that workout, man. It hurts so bad, but I suppose that's the point. You said you know, you kind of, like, geek out on that kind of stuff and, and, and learn and, and try to learn more about how it can benefit you once you are, you know, in the car. What um, what kind of new stuff do you, do you work on, or what did you learn about, like, training specifically for this sport? Um, I guess more, I learned more of an overall thing in like the last couple months is, um, that I, I usually have a problem where I overtrain tend or tend to like, um, I had like an enlightenment moment where I realized, oh, professional athletes don't just go all the way balls to the walls every single workout. They actually like have low and high days. They have like psych- cyclical periods. They don't like kill themselves every time they're in the gym. And like, so I've, for me, it's like I've, I've learned that I need to like dial back more in order to be able to really, um, push on the, on those hard days. But it, like it, like I said, it's about working smarter instead of, harder and then understanding that even like olympic athletes like especially like endurance athletes they don't go out and run like an insane amount and at an insane pace every single day they don't go out and run marathons every single day they have systematic approaches to how they do things and they have they they slowly introduce things or they have their you know they they make they prioritize their recovery is kind of what they're more of their focus is on rather than just going hard all the time. Perfect. And then finally, I guess just before we wrap, I mean, what's, what's the end goal for you? What, I mean, you're still obviously quite young, um, but like what are you, you clearly can dabble in so many different things right now. I know you're definitely focused on motorsport right now, but what's, you know, what do you see, where do you see your career taking you? Uh, ideally, I would love to be able to make it to the IndyCar series um, in a few years. So that's my ultimate end goal uh, as a driver. Um, but I know I'm not opposed to trying other things along the way and uh, getting experience in, in whatever I can. Uh, but I also uh, fully believe that I'll be involved in engineering um, still now and then obviously down the road as well because uh, I, I really love that aspect of it too. But uh, for right now, I am trying to focus on being a driver. So, <laughs> <laughs> And at least a student esports driver. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for yeah. chatting with us. It was really good. Hopefully we get to actually catch up with you um, sometime soon in person and definitely have a better chat that's, you know, not over the virtual world. <laughs> yes, I'll look forward to standing six feet apart from you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll bring the big, like, boom mic and hold it. <laughs> That was Sabre Cook uh, talking to us from her gaming rig. Uh, If if you didn't see the video of this uh, podcast, um, it's quite a special setup. She's got a computer that lights up and she's got a steering wheel there and everything. And I'm just massively jealous of it. But um, great to talk to her and uh, hear what it's been like for her. And uh, also an engineer and a driver. That's quite rare. That's quite rare. So it's pretty special. Absolutely, as you do. But I mean, that that gaming rig was absolutely, was litty, was very litty, I must say. I think between me, you and Nate, we surely can pull some resources together and get ESPN to, you know, maybe guess us one. Hint, hint. 
On that note, though, <laughs> thanks as always to Lawrence for always being by my side. Thanks to all our listeners. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. And of course, thanks so much to Jamie and to Sabre. We hope you guys tune in for more of ESPN's Formula One podcast next week. <laughs>